The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so the topic of the year is revisiting Shavach and Bakasha. And Chaim asked me about Bakasha, and someone else asked me about Shavach, so I figured this would be a good year to do. Um, and what we're going to be learning from is from a tshuva of the Rashba, not tshuva, a, a chidushi agada of the Rashba on Brachos, Taf, Lambez, Amud Aleph? Question mark? Amud Aleph, yeah. Um, I discovered a little while ago, apparently I made a whole PowerPoint with all the translation for half of this. So we're going to, so you, you, it's the same text. So, but I'm just not going to be using that. So that's, yeah. Okay, so. Um, this is for uh, my high school tefillah class. Okay, so he starts out, let's start off with the Gemara itself. Okay, Darash Rabbi Simlai. Okay, Rabbi Simlai Darshan. Anyone know what Rabbi Simlai is famous for? Not that it's relevant. There's a drusha that, that everyone should know in the name of Rabbi Simlai. Tariag Mitzvos. He's the one who says that they're Tariag Mitzvos. Yeah. Olam Yisadir Adam Shvachu Shal Karsh Baruchuv Achukachis Palo. Person should always uh, literally arrange the praise of of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and then be mispalel. Now, in this context, the Rashi doesn't even bother to explain this. He just says mispalel means to to be mavakish. Okay, so it's shavach and bakasha. So, what's the proof? Shneamar, as it says. Uh, so, this is in Dvarim, and the, I think in yours it doesn't quote the full pasuk. So, I wanted to quote the full pasuk in here. Hashem Elokim, ata hafilosa laharos es avdecha es gadolcha es yadcha hakazaka. So Hashem Elohim, you have begun to show your servant your great, uh, your greatness and your strong hand. For who is a power in heaven and on earth that can do like your actions and your might? Please allow me to pass through. This is Moshe Rabbeinu, and see the good land that is across the Yarden, uh, this good mountain, and the Lebanon. So what's the proof? He prayed, he prayed and they asked. Yeah. Um, so I have, actually, you're going to leave soon, right? You can give uh, Ellie the thing. Yeah. You don't have to like trash times. Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I know you're not supposed to write down Torah for but, um, okay. So, so that's what Ruby seem life said. Okay. However, there's a Machlokas. Okay. So this is where the Rashba picks up. He says, in he says kvar nechleku b'zeh Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Hoshua the perakama da vodazara. Okay, so I think our Gemara says different names or something like that, or one of them is different. But he says it's machlokus Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hoshua, so we're going with his thing because we're learning him. The Tanya, it's taught in the Brisa. Rabbi Eliezer Omer laolamishal adam sarach of achkakis palo. Person should always ask for his request and then sorry. Yeah, all right. This gets confusing because he uses the word yispalo here as praise. Okay. So you got to like keep it straight in your head, but th- you should ask for your request and then pray, meaning then praise Hashem. Shnemar, as it says in Tehillim, Hashem the prayer of the poor man when he faints, when he swoons. Okay. Um, and before Hashem, he pours out his, his, uh, his praise. That's how he's learning it. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Yispalav, Archach, Yishal, Yishal. Rabbi Yeshua says you should pray for us and then afterwards ask for your needs. As it says in um, another prayer in Tehillim, so there it says, I, uh, before Hashem, I pour forth my praise, uh, and then my sorrows I will recount before him. And that's uh, that's uh, Bakasha. Okay, Machlokas. Before we read the Rashba's explanation, anyone want to try to define the Machlokas? <laughs> I guess yeah. one thought for the first side, that you should pray first and then praise, Yeah, is like, 
One theory. You know, let's let's just make a, a, a pact over here. Let's use the word request and praise because pray is used in two different ways here. Yeah. Request first and then praise. Yeah. So once you're in the mode of requesting things from Hashem, yeah. you like can't just leave. So you have to Interesting. You have to extend that in praise. Okay, that's a good idea, right? You don't just go in and uh it's like uh kids who are disrespectful to their parents by just saying, like, oh mom, can you just can you make me dinner? Thanks. And then they just run off. Or they don't say thanks, right? They just run off. You know? Okay, that's good. Yeah. And on the other time, yeah. Uh, right. Okay. Okay. So the other thing is that you have to have recognition of Hashem and the whole framework of what it of who you're standing before. And then you can ask. Okay, good. All right. So keep those in mind because those both play into this. Okay. But first, he says, uh, the Rashba says how we conclude. Okay. I mean, um, well, okay. For, okay. We'll, we'll let him talk. And ultimately, they established their disagreement, meaning they, they, uh, they, um, they, it boils down to what Rav Simlai expounded. Okay. So they both knew Rav Simlai, his drasha. And the problem is the proof that Rav Simlai brought, which is from Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Rabbi Yeshua, okay, I always have to get Rabbi Yeshua. Can we come up with a mnemonic? Who, Rabbi Yeshua is the one who says, uh, praise and then ask. And Rabbi Eliezer says, ask and then praise. So Eliezer, ask. Okay, that's how we're doing it. Okay, it's like the Aleph and ask for me. Okay, so the Rabbi Yeshua Savar, <laughs> Yeshua, who says, ask then praise, Yalfinan mi Moshe, holds that we learn from Moshe, okay, which that was very in line with what Simulai said. Now, this is the funny one, Rabbi Eliezer, but Rabbi Eliezer, who says, we ask for requests and then we praise, Lo Yalfinan mi Moshe, why? The Amarlach, he would say to you, um, Shani Moshe de Rav Guvre. Moshe is different because he was a great guy. So just, just like unpack that for one second. So the implication is, like, how exactly, if, if you ask him, can you please explain yourself, what would he say? Yeah, different rules apply to Moshe, right? So he's saying the average human should um, should ask and then praise. I, so why did Moshe praise and then ask? Because he's Moshe Rabbeinu and his, he's a great guy, okay? Obviously, that needs to be explained, okay? But the, the, the funny thing is that, you know, it's always funny when you have a mock locus that they both bring the same proof, okay? Because that just, like... It just means that proofs are only going to be as good as your spara. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That Moshe could go. Right. I would think the same thing. Yeah. Okay. So summary, and I again, this I made this for the my high schooler, so I'm I'm big fan of the summaries. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Eliezer says first Bakasha then Shavak. Rabbi Yeshua says first Shavak then Bakasha. Rabbi Yeshua says Moshe is a proof. He did Shevach, then Bakasha. Rabbi Eliezer says Moshe was different. He was a great guy. Okay, so those are the facts. Okay, so let's see what the Rashba says. The Da. So as it so happens, uh, they're arguing about great fundamentals in Tefillah. Okay. And anyone who comes to ask before God needs to know this. So we better hope that we finish this year before Mari. Okay, which we, yeah, we won't. Kedeshiyeda al ezet sad titachin lo hatfila v'haskar sashvachim. In order that you should know 
like from what angle or perspective you feel is possible and how you can praise God. Okay, so that's his grand intro. Okay, ready for the dive? Okay. Anyone who asks requests will ask in one of three ways. Now, just forget about God for a second. He's going to talk about human beings, and then he's going to transition to God. Okay, so you're asking someone for something. Okay, okay one way is that either the requester asks um, something that is gemul, like, like that he is owed, okay, or an absolute kindness. Okay, so just to have, again, Shalomelech's basic thing is the emotions are only affected by examples. So can we just come up with a basic everyday example where you ask for a request from someone that you're owed versus you ask a request for something that is not owed? Just to work with. Okay, right. You ask for money back when you give a loan, right? So you owe me. You're asking but not because it's like dependent on the other person's chesed. You're asking because like, you know, you, um, <laughs> nice. Uh, you're asking because they owe you, uh, no, that's right. No, I was saying nice because he has to leave also. Um, uh, uh, you're asking because, um, what do you call it? Because they owe you. And you're just asking instead of demanding because I guess politeness convention. Okay. Kindness is obvious. You could just ask for like a favor, ask for a ride to the airport. Okay. Vahashini. So you're asking either because you are in doubt about whether they can provide what you're asking for. Oh, or it's real to him. It's, it's confirmed to him that he, that the guy has the ability to fulfill the request. So like, let's go with examples with this. Uh, no, these are just, it's hard. The way he introduces is a little weird when he says you ask in one of three ways. I think these are like three like binary criteria in every request, you know, that that's going to be one or the other, right? So what would be an example of something where you're asking, but you're in doubt about the ability? Yeah, right. Can you, or would you be able to install a bathroom here? Okay, right. Versus what about when you are, you know that they can do it? Ah, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, yeah, right. Oh, so if I said like, oh, can you can you get up for a second, right? So so like you know most most situations you can get up. Okay, fine. Vashlishis, the third one is shuhumis topic im lo yashlim sheilaso misha sholamimeno. You're in doubt. Um, is that a bad translation? Either because he is in doubt that if his request is not fulfilled of the one who's asking. Oh, so you're asking basically like this person, but in your mind, it's like, if this person doesn't grant me my request, I'll go somewhere else. Okay. Or you're asking this person because you know that they're the only person who can grant it. So example of the first one. Yeah, alone, right? Can you lend me a hundred bucks? No, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. I'll go to my friend. Right. Second one, help me only on Kenobi or me only hope. That's not really a question, but that's, uh, you know, right? So meaning he's the only one who can help. Okay. Okay, we good? Okay. Can you see the direction he's going to go in? Okay, good. <laughs> These three divisions of intent are impossible in application to God. Okay, why? Okay, 
So no created being, i.e. us, should entertain the thought that he, that the creator owes him something and that when he asks it, then God has to provide it for him. Okay. In other words, God is the one who's a necessary existence and, uh, and you are the contingent existence. God doesn't owe you anything. Okay. Right. You're only asking out of kindness. And I think we quoted that Rashi yesterday that even like when Moshe asks all the tzaddikim, even though they know that there's a system of reward and punishment, they're only asking as a matzah you know? Okay. So how we reconcile that with the reality of scarf owners is a good question, but are you actually want to tackle that for one second? What if someone argues, well, if God is just, then of course he would owe you reward. So if you ask for reward, like let's say Abraham in this Parsha, you know, like, if God promises, uh, you know, Abraham a son and, uh, you know, and Abraham asks him for a son, isn't that something that God owes him? Because God himself said so. <laughs> but this will be given, to, not, you wouldn't have to request it. Like, this would be a function of reality that you would get. Okay, that is true. That is true. So you could say that, you could say that that's not even a request because a request is something like, if you um like if the elevator comes down and then right before the doors open you say please open the doors and it opens you're not actually requesting it's just you're lining up your request statement with what's going to happen automatically weird analogy there um yeah i have a different answer uh, i hear what you're saying i have a different answer though anyone have a different answer yeah questions like this is so he's making the argument that God doesn't owe you anything. Okay, God doesn't owe, doesn't owe any cre- creature uh, any, any you know anything. Okay, and I'm saying, well, what about if God says I am going to do this for you? So then, doesn't he owe it to you? Like you know, and Like if you say he doesn't, so then his promise is meaningless. You know, and if you say he does, so then this is that this is false. Or if you want to use a bigger example, like. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. I, I think that, I, that that's what I was going to answer as well. So the way I, I'm going to say it in a slightly different way, which is um, the entire universe exists only because of God's chesed. That's what I meant when I said that we are contingent beings and God's a necessary existence. He didn't have to create us. Now, and that's what the puzzle means when it says Olam Chesed Yibane, that the universe is built on Chesed. Now, within the framework of the universe, there are certain rules of justice by which God operates, right? Like, like he, if God created a a, a a species of animal and didn't provide the means to care for it, we would say that that would be unjust. Or if God, you know, um, destroys a city of, you know, and there are 50 tzaddikim, you know, right? So then like Avram has a taina against God, that that would be unjust. But, but that's within the framework of things existing, but the underlying framework, God didn't have to do any of this, you know? So like in your example of the five bucks, if you ask Isaiah, you know, like, can I have five bucks? And out of chesed, he, he says, okay, I'll give you five bucks. And then he goes into his wallet and finds there's no five bucks. And he says, oh, sorry, I can't do it. You would say unjust because the whole thing was a chesed. But if you, if he, if you loaned him five bucks and he says, I'm sorry, I don't have it. So then that is like, he actually does owe you the thing. 
You know, so is, so the underlying framework that everything is built on chesed means that God doesn't owe us anything. And then in this framework, insofar as the world exists, then there are certain rules of justice that God operates within. But he doesn't have to operate within that. He could just poof the universe out of existence. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and we are talking within the framework of the universe existing. Um, but we're, we're, we're recognizing, though, that in an ultimate sense, you can't demand anything of God. Right. Okay. V'chein lo yishal... Likewise, you shouldn't, he shouldn't ask him by doubting his ability with a capital H. Nothing is impossible if God wills it. Okay. Uh, excluding all those things that we say that is impossible for God to do, but that's not, that's not stuff that you're going to be asking for. In fact, that actually, that actually does come up in Tefillah, right? That's why it's usher to ask for something impossible, right? Like, like to change the past, you know, because it, the it's impossible, but that's a whole nother circuit. Yeah. Okay. But let's just leave that, put that aside. Okay. So too, you shouldn't think that is a typo. Lachbula sounds like a Sephardic dish. Um, uh, hold on. Oh, I'm in weird presenter view. Hold on. Let me, I have to exit presenter view. Hide presenter view. Okay, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, Shalish Shiesh Lo Tachbula Limso Bakashaso Etel Acher. You shouldn't think that there's some way to get what you're looking for from someone else. Gashmi Galgal Oruhani. Okay, whether it's a physical entity, a celestial sphere, you know, don't go asking celestial spheres for stuff or a spiritual, like an angel. Unless God provides him with his request. Now, I like the way he worded that, by the way. Say again? So what it means is like this, is, of course, if I ask Isaiah for five bucks, then and he has five bucks, he could give it to me. But he's only able to give it to me because God wills it. Right. So, so you don't, you shouldn't ask God for something and then think, oh, well, if God doesn't give it to me, I'll go to someone else and they'll give it to me because that person can only give it to you if God wills it, you know? So you're, so with all three binary modes, then they don't apply to God because you know, one of them is going to be the case no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let me say like there, there are things that are running by the laws of nature and like, Maybe you could ask the shem for like a hashtaka for this thing, but if it does, if he doesn't give you a hashtaka, like maybe the laws of nature will bring it about. But the laws of nature are not operating by themselves. Laws of nature are only operating because God wills them. Right. Yeah, and that that's the mistake. That's the big mistake of relying on nature. And in fact, Avram and Rambam um, in Hamas Piklo of Hashem in the Shar Habitachon, when he's going through the different levels of Bitachon, I think he calls that. I don't know which I don't know which level it is. That's one of the bad types of bitachon where where uh, I think he calls the bitachon a kofrim. Okay, meaning there are there's the, not not he wouldn't say that about you Isaiah, but there's the uh, the bitachon of the simple minded people um, who like don't who, who sorry there's the simple minded people who are incapable of bitachon. Okay, in fact you know what should I pull pull this up? Yeah, this is an important point. Uh, let's see. I did a bitachon PowerPoint also. Bitachon. I think this is the one. Bitachon. If it has a Venn diagram, then this is it. Oh, is that the Venn diagram? No, that's that is yes. Okay, good. 
Uh, okay, hold on just one second. Why did the mouse disappear? Oh, there we go. Um, okay, th this was part of a lesson. So this is like mid-lesson mid here. Hold on. Okay, so... Okay, yeah. So these are the Aram and Ramos three groups. So group number one are non-thinkers. And when he says non-thinkers, he doesn't mean like the vast majority of mankind. He means like, I think he says like people who have not really figured out any sort of level of cause and effect uh, that they can use to like operate on the world. Like they're just basically like, are basically like animals. Okay. Um, then there's group two, group X group three. Okay. Or the counterfeit group three and then true group three. Okay. And it was a complicated thing. Group two uh, holds by science. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's good that you learn it. Cause a lot of people just don't learn Avram and Ramam. Um, they hold by science, they study the laws of nature, but they deny Hashgacha Pratis. Okay. Um, X group three holds that Hashem created the universe, but says science is bad and they deny nature, right? That's like the opinion that is held by some people today. And the group three holds that Hashem created nature and can intervene with it. Okay. And then I always like to Venn diagram these things. The commonality between group three and group two is that they hold by science and they study the laws of nature and they hold that that's a good thing. Um, group three and X group three both hold that Hashem exists and intervenes in nature. Um, and then he makes a big point about how the group two mocks and denies the, uh, sorry, mocks and rejects what the other two groups have in common. So they mock and reject Hashgaka Pratis and then X group three mocks and rejects science. Okay. And, um, in his group, he doesn't, I, I guess he doesn't, um, yeah, I, that was a bad answer. So I, I think that we're going to ignore that for now. So the reason why I bring this up is because, um, I think in his discussion of group two, he says that they make a mistake of looking at the laws of nature and seeing that they are, um, reliable, which is true, but then they think that they operate independently. Right. And how does group three look at the laws of nature is they realize that, it's true that they're reliable, but they're only running in line with Hashem's will. And just like with, let's say with water at Yamsuf, water operates according to certain like laws of fluid dynamics, but at Yamsuf, Hashem willed the water to not do that. So the way you have to view it is like that the, you know, that Hashem can be in Hashgacha clawless mode where the systems that he created and he's, he's, he's causing to operate, or he can, he can switch it. Now it's, I don't think he means you should go around thinking like, oh, I'm going to like fall through the floor because God's going to like switch gravity, you know, or switch a electromagnetic force. But, um, but what you should be realizing is uh, that gravity is only working because it's God's will. So you are relying on God when you're relying on gravity. And that's like we said in Tehillim last year, that if a person were to build you a table and then you thanked the hammer, then you just don't know how tools are how tools work, right? So don't thank the hammer. Oh, was I not sharing? I think I wasn't sharing for the people on Zoom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, let me just put it on for the sake of the, uh, of the, uh, of the thing, just to, just to display it there. Um, yeah, so uh, it is a mistake. So just to apply to what Isaiah was saying here, you can gaze upon this while I'm talking about Isaiah's thing. Um, uh, that, um, uh, so asking Hashem for something and saying, if he doesn't grant it to me, then I can get it through some natural means. So that is predicated on a false idea of what nature is that, it, it, that nature can only provide it because nature is the hammer in Hashem's right. non-physical hand. Yeah. You'll get, it, you'll get it from Hashem. That's getting it from Hashem. Exactly. Yeah. And what about getting it through say, an agent who supposedly has free will? Like, ah, good question. 
Good question. Um, so the answer to that is in Tehillim 146 in the Radak, I think. Let's just go to that really quickly. Because this is a Tehillim shear. <laughs> it's not, but it can be. Hold on. Um, Radak. I just have to close that. And I'll try to remember to share this time. Hold on. Um, Tehillim 146. This has been last year. I mean, you said they like flooding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have free will, but Hashem created them to put them in a situation where they were there to make the decisions. That yeah. Help you. So I mean, maybe that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good. That, that's a good answer. I'm just trying to remember if that is what the Redox says. Oh yeah. So he says like this. Uh, so this is what I understand that he means. So this is in the Tehillim we say after Ashrei every morning. So one of the lines says, "Al tivtuhu benedivim bevenadam she'enlois teshua." Do not trust in nobles or like a great, you know, um, uh, like noble benefactors, people who like do good stuff, who have money. Bevenadam she'enlois teshua in the son of man who has no salvation. So the Radak says, "Al derek shamer yumiyahu umin hashem yasurli bo." Okay, that's an important positive, but we won't get into that. Ella im yiftach ba'adam. Okay, this is an interesting thing. If you trust in man, Yasim Iker Bakelisbara, you should place your central trust in God, Shayitain Balev Adam Hanadiv La Azro, that he instilled in this man's in, in 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 the benefactor's heart to help you. Now, that does not mean mind control, right? But let's say, like this guy, let's say you're turning to this guy and he uh he you're you're counting on him to make no one's sitting there, by the way, David. You can use that. Yeah. Um that this guy is, uh, you're turning to this guy and, and he has free will to be able to help you, you know? But the thing is, is like, where did he get the desire to help you from ultimately? Well, his, his upbringing, you know, his exposure, the fact that he has money comes from all these circumstances that come from God. So the guy is playing a role in the, in the sense that he is making free will decision. But the one who made that possible is God through, through giving him the resources the disposition and the ability of free will. So that's why he says the term Iker, that you should place the, the essence of your trust in God. This guy's really playing a very small role. Yeah. Okay. So now back to our Rashba. Okay. So hold on. Sorry. This is cumbersome here. Okay. So we good with this. So just to review, when you ask God for something, then without a doubt, then there is, uh, God doesn't owe you anything. So you're not asking him about that. You're asking for pure chesed. You're not doubting his ability because God could do anything, anything which is real. Uh, and you're not asking God as the first of several options. He's the only option because anyone else who you asked from is only able to do it through God. Okay. So now he says like this, the Alkane context here is we're uh, defining the between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Yeshua says that you make your, uh, you have to praise God and then have requests. And then Rabbi Eliezer says you, you ask God for stuff and then you praise. And they both bring a proof from Moshe. Moshe praised God and then asked. So that's like Rabbi Yeshua. And then Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer says Moshe is exceptional because he's a great person, but everyone else has to do it my way, has to do the ask and then request. Valkane, therefore, Therefore, Rabbi Yeshua agreed that a person shouldn't ask for his needs until he orders the praises of the Baruch Hu. 
Okay, out of fear that he might err in one of these three premises. Okay, now this is going to be a beautiful thing that's going to give you Kavana in Shmona Esrei. Okay, watch this. Uh, oh, and you'll ask based on one of the premises that are inapplicable. He can't ask for his needs until he first prepares his soul with the proper praises and recognizes and understands that he is the Lord of all. Um, this is like what you said, Chaim, that you have to recognize who you're asking from. Uh, but he's going to elaborate. None of the created beings can have any claim on him. Nothing has, uh, there's no obstacle for him. Nothing can prevent him from acting. There's no way to reach a good thing or flee from the opposite unless it's in line with his will. Now, how do you do this? This is the cool part. Oh, sorry. First, a summary. So, again, this is from a high school class. So, but summary's good anyway. Rabbi Shua says uh, we have to um, praise Hashem to recognize that he doesn't owe us anything. He isn't limited in his ability. And he's the only one who can provide what we ask for. Okay. Now, here... Oh, and we can only engage in Bakasha after you review these ideas. Just to talk about it for one second here. What would happen if you engaged in Bakasha without reviewing these ideas? Can we talk about like why that would be bad exactly? Like it feels bad, but what would you be doing if you were Mavakesh, but in your mind, th- these binary options existed? If you don't frame your requesting within the framework of the proper ideas, yeah. it is kind of as if it's the same as requesting from another person. Like, like you're just going about it in the theater from the same request. Yeah. Same type of request. Yeah. Doing it this way, like always premised on the ideas. Okay, so I'm going to push you one step further. What's wrong with that? Okay, yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, hold on a second. I want to get a quote from Ravina Fakhri and Yukuda. Uh, why are there three volume twos? Oh, here we go. Volume one is the one with Yukuda Shem. Oh, maybe that's why all the volume ones are missing because uh, everyone's learning about Yukuda Shem. Um, now can I find it? Um, if I can't find it in a second. Um, so he says, he's talking about levels of knowledge of God. And he says, yeah. Um, so he's talking about, yeah, I I don't know why this line strikes me as dramatic, but, uh, he says that. Uh, the philosopher spoke the truth. I assume he's talking about Aristotle, but I once tried to look for this Aristotle quote and I couldn't find it. The philosopher spoke the truth when he said, who worships the first cause, the first beginning, only the prophet of the generation due to his nature or the distinguished philosopher through the wisdom he has acquired. All others, however, worship that which is other than him, for they cannot conceive of a being unless it is composite. So the way I would say, I mean, what you're saying is true, um, What? but if you are asking a being that might owe you something, or you're asking a being that might have limits in his power, or you're asking a being who is not the one, the only one to turn to, you're praying to someone other than God. You might call him Hashem, 
but you're you're directing your thoughts to a being that doesn't exist in reality you know so that's bad <laughs> okay yeah yeah but why do you specifically have to always do shout out reports you might like a person who's learned it enough, I would think that they know the ideas. Oh. So we'll have to wait until Rabbi Eliezer says, <laughs> right? Because he doesn't know what you have to do shadow before. Okay. But Rabbi Eliezer would agree that you that you have to be directing your tefillos in line with these ideas. He's just saying that you don't have to do shadow like before, right? right. Yeah. Okay. Meaning he, he's not disagreeing. He's not going to disagree with Rabbi Yeshua. Spoiler alert. Okay. So now we get to the cool part that's going to help your Kavana. Wait, no, not yet. I mean, all of this is helping your Kavana. <laughs> yeah, sorry. After you establish in your soul these correct principles, premises, then it's appropriate to ask for your needs. Okay. So this is a good parish. Hashem Elohim, you have begun to show your servant your greatness. That's saying that God is the one who initiates the, the kindness, right? Right? You're the one who's starting it, meaning that you're the one who's um, initiating chesed. Um, not that Moshe did something and then God responded with chesed. God's the one who started it. <laughs> you started it. And he reinforced this point by saying, your servant. He's framing himself as the servant who is utterly dependent on his master. The servant is owed nothing that the master must pay, for he is a servant. He is obligated to serve his master. Okay, so he's you know, emphasizing that. Then he says your greatness and your strong hand to show omnipotence, that nothing is impossible for God. Right? Uh, he says, who is a power in heaven and on earth who can do like your actions? That's Lomar Shim Lo Yasehu. He's saying, I can't turn to anyone else. You're the no one else is like you in the sense that you're the only one who can do this. Okay, so nice little uh, appearance of the puzzle, right? Okay, now, oh, okay, fine. So okay, we had this. Oh, oh, that was because I, 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 that was where my class ended. Okay, fine. All right. Oh, he's not saying, hold on. Maybe he gets to this point later on. Okay, fine. We're into Ruby Eliezer, apparently. Okay, so you want to try to anticipate what Ruby Eliezer is going to say? Because Ruby Shu has a pretty good argument here. <laughs> yeah, you did say, uh, what, remind me what you said again. Well, I, I wasn't really trying to explain it really, but I was just having a review of Shua. No, no, no. Or you're talking about earlier this year? Earlier this year? Oh. Or am I misremembering? No, I'm not having no idea. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I said that was good. I was just wondering, <laughs> it seems to me that if a person really knows these ideas, then he shouldn't need to reiterate them before. He shouldn't mm. be, it shouldn't be an, like an issue with his prayer if he doesn't reiterate them before. Okay, right. Right. Well, just to clarify this point here, obviously, um, both sides are going to hold that that everyone should know these ideas no matter what. But the mechanism, the ordering was set up to remind you of this point, right? In other words, like 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 I said before, like Rabbi Eliezer is going to hold that you have to have these three ideas, but he's going to hold that there's a different there's a, a different reason why. 
they put Bakasha first, you know, not denying that a person needs to know these things. Does Ruby Yoshua hold that, like, if you don't do Bakasha first, then your, your prayer, your request is, like, an intrinsically deficient request? You mean Ruby Yoshua, if he holds you, don't do Sheva first? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, here's what he would hold. He would hold, in reality, what matters is not whether you do Shavach first or Bakasha first. Halakhically, it matters. In reality, what matters is that you know these ideas. So you'd say halakhically, you're not doing it in the right way. But I don't think he would say that, like, I don't think he would say the Bakasha is lacking. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, let's say, let's say, Rabbi, let's say uh, in this mock locus, we him like Rabbi Eliezer. I don't think Rabbi Yushu would say, oh, that's it, like, I can't daven because I'm not reviewing my Shavak ideas first, you know? It does seem to me like part of what you're saying is that it's like improper to go into the into the, the pocket without reviewing these ideas. Yes, he is saying that, right, right. I have a thought, I don't know Sure. Um, Interesting. Okay, that's a, that's a good idea. So, in other words, the um, the right. So, so in other words, they really are uh, right. I mean, so according to that interpretation, they are agreeing on all the reasons. It's just a question of. Is it structured to set you up for the right ideas or is it structured to prevent a trap that you'd fall into? Yeah, yeah I hear that. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that, that's reasonable. Uh, let's see what the Rashba says. I remember the yeah, what was it? And that like, when you make a Bakasha, so then it should inspire you to go on in crazy. Yeah, okay. So I, I, think, I think that is along the lines of how the Rashba takes it. It's slightly different, but, uh, but along those lines. Rabbi Eliezer saw there was another idea that took precedence over praise. It is brazenness on a part of a servant to arrange the praises of his master uh, haphazardly or like casually, I guess would be a better translation, and without intention and lowliness of heart and fear and trembling. Yeah. Why is that different than the other? Let's just see the full idea first. Okay. So for this reason, you have to first ask for your needs. And what does that do? You'll realize your own lowliness and submissiveness and weakness of ability. And he'll know that there's no strategy to acquire any of his desires, like his nutritional needs or bodily healing or escape from an enemy or other ailments unless Hashem helps him. Okay. Then, after he prefaces with this, his heart is now broken and crushed in a good way. He recognizes his lowliness. Then he's fit to praise God. Asher uh, which, which he seeks to do, and he can pray before him. So in other words, for you to just go in and praise God, if you didn't first recognize how exceedingly low and utterly dependent you are, 
your praise is just going to be words. You're not actually going to be recognizing the greatness of God and your utter dependence on him. So your praise, so this is actually saying, uh, like you were asking about Rabbi Yeshua, he's saying your praise is lacking if you don't do Bakasha first. But Rabbi Yeshua is not saying that your Bakasha is, well, your your Bakasha would be completely off track. You know, like it's not lacking like in terms of sincerity or like quality, but I, I think this fits in better with that, that paradigm. Okay, and then now check this out. Ukushahevi Rabbi Yeshua Rayami Moshe, Rabbi Yeshua brought a proof from Moshe Rabbeinu. So Rabbi Yeshua is saying that you do praise then request. Heishiv Rabbi Eliezer ki'en lilmo mi Moshe de Moshe Rav Guvre. That's why he says you can't learn from Moshe from the fact that he did Shavat and Makasha because he was a great man. Rotslamar Gadol Koho shebuchol es hayu deosav muhuvanas b'roi muhan lomar shvachav. Moshe did not need to make himself more humble in order to praise God. Moshe was anav mikoladam, so he didn't need to like talk himself down by asking Bakashas. Now, you see an interesting thing here. Oh, actually, let's first summarize, then we'll see the interesting thing. So he says, uh, it would be chutzpah to start praising Hashem first. First, you have to humble yourself by recognizing your own lowliness and dependency on him. Then you'll be in the proper mindset for Shavach. Now, I don't think the Rashba says this, what I'm about to say. So I'm going to say it as if I'm saying it. I feel like there is a different view of what Bakasha is here. <laughs> Yeah, right. Right. So, yeah. What? Right. Like what kind of thing? Like, for real, there is like, like kind of in a way, the question is like the ultimate Shavak because you're recognizing that it's, you know, Hashem, like, like you're putting sort of Shavak into action and like you're requesting from the person who can provide you According to Rabbi Eliezer, you're saying? Yeah. That's, um, it's like a primary form of creating stuff. I actually like do like acting out what would be. A- okay, well, you can't go too far because he his whole thing is you can't praise Hashem without first doing Bakasha. Yeah, David? Yeah, it seems to me like Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Eliezer have an argument about like what is the culmination, like what you're yeah. about culminating it. Right. And Rabbi Eliezer is going to like the end is the Bakasha, like that's like the high peak. Yeah. Rabbi Eliezer seems to be going to show up as the high peak. Yeah. And like each of them are whatever you do first, it's gonna be like like you're way up to it. Yes, yeah, I I think that that that's that, that's what I was thinking. Also, is the uh, that what's the ikker, right? According to Rabbi Eliezer, uh, the ikker is shavach, and the means is bakasha, and the proof is that Moshe be dispensed with bakasha in this way, right? Now he had bakasha for other reasons because he had to help Klal Yisrael, but he didn't need bakasha. Shavach was the essence. According to Yeshua, and I'm not saying this as the high, best defined svar. I'm just saying like as a step. So the question is like, what's the essential thing? And so according to Yeshua, really what you want to do is engage in Bakasha. We have to make sure that you have the right ideas as hachana for, for Bakasha. You know, so it does seem like a much bigger machlokus than order. Sounds like it's a machlokus on what the essence of tefillah is. Right? So it's just interesting to note. Yeah. Okay. Can I um, ask a question or, or yeah. make a about that? Sure. Um, I'm not sure that you would like want to make this move, but could you say, I mean, you could argue that it's not about what's the essence of tefillah, but which one is just more dependent on the other one, you know, like, one, yeah, like which thing is more affected by the other one? I mean, I don't know how you would go forward with that, but see, to me, that can work. Hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, I think. Mean, 
Right. But Tamar's not denying that they're both important. She's just saying which one affects the other one more. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. But see, I, I'm still, I still don't know if Rabbi Eliezer would say that you're doing both things. Because I think, in principle, Rabbi Eliezer would, I mean, he would admit that Moshe, Moshe in that tefillah did both things. But I think he would say that, that Moshe could have just done Shavach, and the average person can't just do Shavach, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, Tamar, I, for some reason, I, like, I don't deny the truth of what you're saying, but I feel like it's one step more descriptive as opposed to more definitive. Like, I feel like which one affects the other, that's true, but that's not getting at the root of what they're saying. Whereas I feel like saying which one is like either like David saying is the culmination or which one is the essence is more definitive, unless I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. Um, oh, wait, sorry, one second. Um, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. I guess it just seems funny to me to say that, let's say that Moshe was like, he, in that case, you know, he was just, he was really just trying to praise God and this was like some other thing that he did. The, yeah, um, yeah, okay, okay, that, 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 that's a good critique, is that it's funny, because, like, if you look at the shot, Moshe is asking to be taken into the land of Israel, you know, he is doing a bakasha, and, uh, and, and, and the theory that I'm saying does not really square with that, that's true, yeah, I hear. The other thing, also, the other question, by the way, is, you know, when they bring this as a raya for Moshe, how much is it actually, like, they're trying to interpret what he's saying, and how much of it is, like, a a uh like a drusha you know and, and it's just a question of getting the drusha right uh, I, it's hard to tell because it sounds like they're treating it as a real thing like he was actually modeling the mechanisms of tefillah it is interesting because Moshe was like an ace like a time when he needed to do this request but where are we about what is the key of tefillah yes oh so he the rashba is going to get to that which i don't think we are we're definitely not going to get to today but he he's going to get to the point of you know we paskin like Rabbi Yeshua, right? That we do Shevach and then Makasha. So he's going to get to um, to to that issue also. Let me just see. Hold on just a second. I think. Oh, that is the end of the PowerPoint, actually. Yeah, no. So so let, let's just. I just want to switch to the PDF and um, and see um, if this next part is good to do today, or if, if this is a good stopping point for this topic, and then we'll take a break and go into the next year. I want to see what, what page are we on. Oh, you no one following. Okay, that's fine. Um uh Aretz. Rabbiazer Rashish Inyan Acher Bukar Nikba Tfila Al Das Rabbi Yeshua. Okay, here we go. Um oh okay, so the next okay, you know what? All right, you know what? I have to read this tonight. This is the thing I thought that we were gonna go into. So I have to read this. This is in on page Mem Vav in the second paragraph. Okay. Ukvar nik ba'ahatfila alzad das rabbi Yoshua shano olim shvachim ve'achkach sholim srichim. Okay, so we go like rabbi Yoshua. First, we give praises and then we ask for we ask for needs. This is the cool part. I mean, all of this is cool, but this is the the part that's going to be the most usable. The kavu shlosh brachos rishonos l'shevach keneged shlosh kavanos shamarno. The first three brachos correspond to the three things that he mentioned. Okay, 
Harishona Avos. The first one is Avos. Lahaktim Lanafsho Sheino Shoah Altsad Hagumul. Brach of Avos is to review the idea that you're not that you are uh, not asking by way of uh, of like um, obligation of, of uh, um, God owing you stuff. Rock outside of Chesed Hamuchlat. Amram Vezocher Chaste Avos. The whole framework is God did Chesed to the Avos and Chesed is not owed. Okay. Vashnia Gvuros. Second one is Gvuros. Lahaktim Sheinu Mistavik Biachalto is it Tzad Shirte Af Lahamis Velatheos that you're to show that you're to review that you're not in doubt about God's ability to do anything he wants, even to kill and to bring life. And the third one, that you recognize him as distinct and as king over everything. And you testify that all of the angels, which remember, that's the laws of nature, right? That's the Aristotelian way of saying that they're the laws of nature. They praise the laws of nature, praise God every day because they're admitting that their power only flows to them from God. And they're, and they're, they only act, um, act because of his will. So when you Davin Shimon Esrei tonight, right? So it's good to have this idea. When you say Avos, you should think to yourself, God doesn't owe me anything. I am a completely contingent being and everything that God does for me is by way of chesed. When we say gurus, you should realize God is omnipotent. Nothing is impossible for him. And uh, and then when you say kedusha shame, you should realize there is no being other, you know, that, that you can go to other than God and anything that you get from anyone else is via God uh, giving it to them, you know? Yeah. Um, the next thing he's going to talk about is... Um, is the Shimona Esrei and why they set it up this way, I think. Uh, but I don't remember that. I have to review. Um, I think what we could do is let's stop this for now, oh, unless there's any questions on this stuff. Because we usually stop at 7.55 to take a five-minute break before the next year. Say again? Yeah, no, well, we're good. We are going to continue. But I'm saying like, you know, yeah. But, but, but I mean, I think this is answering your your question, like certainly Rabbi Yelez is answering your question, right? That one of the things you're doing in Bakasha is Bakasha is servicing Shevach. Bakasha is recognizing your utter dependence on God. Um, and and that's the that, that's the revolutionary idea of Rabbi Eliezer is that like, yes, you are asking stuff from God, but the entire, the, the, the amazing thing, see, here's the thing. People have this, sorry, the childish view is people don't even think about it. They just ask God for stuff. Then you become more sophisticated and you realize how brazen is it to ask stuff of God, right? Like, like who am I to ask stuff of God? But then what he's saying, what really others are saying is it's exactly the opposite. It's countering arrogance by when you ask stuff of God, you're, you're reinforcing the notion that you are completely dependent on him. And then that puts you in a better position to do Shavak. And the weird thing, by the way, is I've never done a word count or a phrase count, but I feel like if you look at the Bakashos and the Shimon Esrei, the vast majority of what you say is just Shavach. Atachonin la'adam da'as, that's Shavach. Umlamed la'enosh bina, that's Shavach. Chaninum itcha de'a bina v'haskel, that's Bakasha. V'ruchata Hashem chonin ha'das, that's Shavach. So it's a three to four, three to one ratio, you know? Uh, you know, now I don't know about all of them, but like, you know, I, we do a lot more Shavach than Bakasha in this thing, you know? 
Um, now, is the question that you were asking more of like, what's the mechanism? Like, how does it work that you get stuff from God by asking for stuff? Because I thought you were asking about like, how does Bakasha perfect you? Okay, yeah. Because I think this gives us insight into how Bakasha perfects you, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's going to be more more to this. I just, you know, this is the 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 first place that my mind went in terms of. Uh, right, right. Although, although um, it is interesting, and I don't know if there's a correlation here, but um, kavana is not ma'akiv in any of the bakashas. Only ma'akiv in the shavak, which indicates that shavak is is the is the main thing, you know. Uh, well, according to Mishnah uh, Brewer, it's Machiavin uh, Hodab, not according to the Ramam. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I think. Right, right. So, so I think we should think about. For, so the plan will be for Tuesday. And again, I'm trying, I'm trying to time this right because we don't have a ton of Rashba left and Tuesdays are shorter here. I think we should think more about the Machlokas, Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer, and then finish the Rashba. And then after that, we can um, we can see if we can find other stuff on how the Bakasha thing works, unless I'm so souped up on the next parak of Tehillim, in which case we'll do another parak of Tehillim and then go back to Bakasha afterwards. You know, yeah. So we'll, we'll see where I'm at with my Tehillim preparation. Um, the next Tehillim that we're working on, if you, in case you want to start working on it, is um uh what's the one with the snow and the frost and the little ravens? Uh, is that 147 or 148? Yeah. Is that the one? I think a different one. I think 148 is what we're doing. Um, oh, that's right. 147 then. 147. Yes, 147 is the one we're we're, we're probably going to do next, assuming that it comes together. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to stop the recording. I'm going to take- if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com/rabbishneweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah content fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.